Bet Australian. Bet with Bluey. Download the True Blue brand new Blue Bet app from the app stores. Gamble responsibly. It's your biggest sports show on Saturday morning. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey Montagna, Jay-Z Clark and Sarah Marie. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Warnie was an all-time great, a once-in-a-century type cricketer. And his records will live on forever. The gatting ball definitely changed my life. You know, first ball, it was the perfect leg break. First ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warner. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. It's your first ball in the Ashes series. I think it was just meant to be. We all grew up watching Warnie, idolising him. We all had posters on his wall, um, had his earrings. A lot of people say to me, like, oh, Warnie's a bit of a wanker. I say, you never met him, have you? Yeah. And they, no, I haven't. Yeah. If you meet Shane Warne and you have a bit of time with him, you love him. We, we love so much about Warnie. Um, you know, his showmanship, his charisma, his tactics, the way he, he just willed himself and the team around him to win games for Australia. And probably, above all else, his incredible skills, leg spin. think he is the way he is because of what he's done. He carries on now because of the cricket that he played. Yeah. Mate, I knew him when he was 18, 19. He was a wanker back then. <laughs> All I tried to do was honest, upfront, and just be me. And along the way, I made plenty of silly mistakes. I've never pretended to be something I'm not, and um, I think that's why people still like me. The game was never the same after Warney emerged, and the game will never be the same after his passing. Rest in peace, King. It's Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joey J and Sarah Marine. It's going to be a very different show today, isn't it, guys? I get goosebumps yeah. listening to that. Good morning, um, Sarah and Joey. But isn't it a good morning? Is it? It's a. It's a real. It's, there's a. It's a sad morning, and you can feel it out there in the streets of Melbourne. Mm. I reckon, Joey, just this morning, just you know, every, everyone's flat. We've just lost our. Greatest sporting idol, really, the past 20 or 30 years. So it's a tough morning, Sarah. It is, yeah. The, all the text messages we've already exchanged with all our friends. And it was your text message, Sarah Marie, about 1.30 to, to let us know. And I woke up in the middle of the night to feed my little girl and saw the message and, and couldn't believe it. Struggled to get back to sleep. And, yeah, it's a tough morning. Um, and we're going to spend a, a fair bit of the day talking about him, reminiscing. Absolutely. Paying tribute to the man and coming together and unpacking this devastating news. We'd love to hear from you and take mm. your calls all morning. So call whenever you like on one triple three five three. whether you met the man or yep. maybe you just idolised him. Because this is a guy who had such an incredible impact, not just cricket, sport in general. I mean, look at the connection that he had with you at the Saints, yep. Joey. 
Yeah, he, he transcended sport, really. Mm. I mean, to to put that sort of rock star into the sport, uh, we've never seen anything like it. I'm not sure we ever will. And, uh, yeah, we'll um, pay our due respects today. Your favourite balls. I mean, there were so many. The Gadding ball, uh, the South Africa World Cup semi-final, the Shander Paul delivery, which turned three metres. I'd love to hear you call in and tell us what you was your favourite Shane Warne memory. And we've got Richard from Elwood who's called through. Good morning. Hey, how's it going? Morning, Richard. Morning, mate. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I was, I, probably my biggest memory of him was, I was about 11, uh, I was up in you know, Caravan Park up in Queensland, you know, Boxing Day, we're all checking out, you know, we're hanging out at the Caravan Park and, you know, it, was, it would have been, you know, 100 people around just stood listening to the radio, silence in the Caravan Park when, you know, the hat-trick ball, Booney takes the catch, you know, and it's just the whole crowd. The whole caravan park just erupted in, in unison. You know, it was just uh-huh. didn't matter if you're 11 or 65. It was just incredible. Like, he's just, just an amazing man. Yeah, he was. It's one of those moments you always remember, I think, where you were for the hat-trick ball. I remember sitting at my holiday house at Rosebud, watching it on TV. Yeah. Like you can picture, I can actually picture the moment when you sit there with my dad and my brother. And yep. there's been so many of those memories of Warney, though, hasn't there? Like, he was one that every single ball he bowled, yep. you leaned forward thinking, yes. this could this could yes. be a wicket ball. Like, how good is that, that uh, every ball was potentially a wicket ball? I was thinking the same thing. The amount of times where I've walked through the lounge room and the cricket's been on, because he was just a constant in summer. We spent our summers with this, you know, man, watching him play but when you walked to the television and he was bowling you you watched the rest of his over because you knew a wicket was never far away and the absolute genius in this bowler you know other than his execution and skill was his ability to plan and predict you know he had a plan for every batsman and he was such a a sharp thinker about the game but when he was bowling you watched and then you'd finish it you'd go do something else <laughs> you know poor old Glenn McGrath not necessarily watch that over but you, when you knew when Warney was back on you would always watch that but aside from that Joey I mean what a, the entertainment of him yeah like he, he was the rock star wasn't he I mean, cricket is such a is a gentleman's game and the straight bat game but he brought so much Funk and pizzazz and personality to cricket. It's as well. an aura that not many sports people have. I mean, they're the ones that transcend the game. You think the reason why Michael Jordan, as great as he was, they were able to, like, they just had something a about swagger? Them, a swagger, yep. an aura, uh, uh, this mythical sort of like, you know, rock star that you presence. Presence. Yep. That's right. That everybody around them, yep. just not only on the field, but around them, just w- were affected and wanted to be around them. And, um, I mean, he was just – I mean, it was so good to watch. You think about his 700th wicket, yep. watching that and him carry on like a pork chop running <laughs> around. And for me, the one that sticks out too yes. when I was thinking about was, was when he made the 99 and he got caught on the oh, – be- oh, like, oh, oh. for every cricketer, I mean, when you take 700 wickets, yep. yeah, you've take- but to make 100 would have been – I know it was for him an absolute dream – and to get caught on the boundary line, <laughs> trying to go for a six. But that is typical Warney. Everything he did, and we'll talk more about yep. not his necessarily his career, but everything he did with his sport. He had one style. Everything was aggressive, and it was attack, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, confident. Going, confident. And to yeah. try and hit a six to get your hundred. And then remember, it was almost a no ball. Remember the footy? It was a, it was a no ball no. Uh, if they had have had the, you know, gone back then and he was caught on the boundary. But, uh, yeah. Oh, was, that's right. Yeah. Yes. It was, yeah yes. So plenty of memories. One triple three five three. We'd love to hear your memories and your stories about Warney. We've got Melissa from Thomastown in, uh, I believe, that he did something pretty special for your child's school. Yeah, look, that's correct. My son attends uh, an autism school in the northern suburbs and the Shane Warne Foundation was gracious enough to purchase them a minibus which enables the, the staff to take children out on day trips and things. And oh, wow. I really feel that it's important that people don't forget that side of him. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, because I know that that foundation did some wonderful things and it's touched our family personally. Yeah. And, and I know, yeah, he, he did lots in his life, but this is really important to be remembered. Yeah, because he's not just the, the sporting guy, but he's also the philanthropist. Mm-hmm. His commitment Absolutely. to community, organisations, charity, big charity guy. Yeah, yep. he did a lot. He was a very, very generous man. I mean, you, you imagine how many directions he was pulled in. I mean, he lived a completely different life in Australia, like, you know, as an Australian than anyone else in regards to how big he was around the world. And he did so much. He was such a generous man. And we should say, too, it was. I've spoken to, obviously, you know, friends with Shane. I've got a lot of close friends that I've already spoken to this morning. Our first thoughts go to his his kids, mm. to, to Jackson and Brooke and Summer. I mean, yeah. thinking of them this morning and how devastating it is for them. Obviously, you know, Shane was away for a lot of their early childhood playing cricket overseas. And to see Jackson now be his best mate, you know, yep. now he's a, he's a young man. And for him and... Shane to be best mates. It's um, our thoughts go out to the to the kids in particular this morning. Yeah, Absolutely. and he's spoken about his um, son even just recently with the the, um, the show, etc. Now you've obviously spent a lot of time around the card table and at yeah. home, and the, oh, we want to talk later about some personal stories that yep. you've got because I've just heard a little a couple of snippets and they're they're terrific. So we'll get to more of that a little bit later. You guys had the pleasure of chatting with him, a wonderful chat, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was fascinating. He was good. He's obviously a good mate of yours, Joey. So he uh, came in, and um, you know we recapped his incredible career and he always does so with great uh, energy and he's just so charismatic. So he think he were talking first up about him walking out for his first test. When I first walked out onto the SCG, my first test match and walking out to bat and looking up on the scoreboard and saying, I said, congratulations, Shane Warren, you're the 350th test cricketer to play for Australia. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, you know, as I was walking out, I thought, geez, that's not many. Mm-hmm. Only 350 yeah. people over 100 and, you know, 100 odd years and more have only, only had 300 odd players to play cricket for Australia. I thought, geez, I was sort of lucky and no one could ever take that away from me. So that was sort of a, a special highlight because I never thought I was good mm-hmm. enough to play for Australia in international cricket. And that's amazing, isn't it? For the greatest of all time at the Mm. start, it wasn't like a LeBron James that came in, you know, thinking that they were already going to be great. He wasn't sure whether he was going to be good enough. And what you can hear in his voice, even there, he was very humble as a cricketer. Like he he didn't have, he wasn't a big head. He didn't sort of big note about his career. He was very humble. He, He sort of, um, understated and undersold how how great of a cricketer he was. He just loved playing because he was good at it. And then when we spoke to him again, he then realised, well, when the penny dropped, then he actually thought, gee, maybe I am good enough. The 92 Boxing Day Test match against the West Indies, I, um, I'd struggled for the first 18 months or so in international cricket. I'd been dropped a couple of times. I hadn't really delivered it at all. And I'm, we're playing against the West Indies, the, the best side in the world. I hadn't lost a series for 15 years. And the West Indies needed, I can't remember exactly, it was 300 and something to win on the last day, and they were cruising. They were, you know, they only one wicket down for, say, 90 or 100 or something, and it was just before lunch. And Alan Border threw me the ball. And you know what it's like when you first play at top level, you, you never really want to take a risk. You just want to not make a mistake and not embarrass yourself. So you do everything pretty cautiously. And then as you sort of start to play a bit more, you take a few more risks and then you prepare to back yourself a bit more. And and so this was this was a situation where I'd been written off. I, I didn't really believe I was good enough. And then suddenly the situation, the game dictated, we needed a wicket. And Alan Border threw me the ball to take a wicket. And I, I set Richie Richardson up for a flipper. Mm. And yeah. I thought, I'm going to try and land this. I'm going to try, I'm going to try one. So I set him up for it. Then I bowled it and I landed it and it bowled him. And it bowled Richie Richardson 
And then I went on to take seven for 52 oh. in that test match. Yeah. And so that was the first time I actually believed that I was good enough at that level. How good was that story? And I can yeah. picture that ball too. Remember how low it stayed? Yeah. It, like it went about <laughs> underground. Uh, yeah, and almost <laughs> underground. The flipper that just stayed low. Richie Richardson was one of the you know, one of the all time greats. And then, as he said, that was the moment. Yeah. For, and there is a moment in most sportsmen's careers where it's like, wow, I can do it, and to take seven for fifty, beat the West Indies. And then away from there, we know about the rest of his career from that moment on. So, so many gigantic moments uh, after that. None bigger than this one. It was the ball of the century. I remember exactly where I was in the top bunk of my friend's bedroom watching a small TV in Belmont and Geelong. How could you forget it? So Shane Warne on that unforgettable delivery. It's interesting because it was the first ever series that you had the big screens at cricket grounds. Yep. So it was 1993, and I think it was the Citron big screen at the cricket grounds. They sort of temporarily just wheeled them in. And um, and we sort of – Heels goes, that was pretty good. I said, well, I was. And um, he goes, let's check it out. I said, what? He said, yeah, let's have a look. So we look it up on the big screen, and we watched it, and I went – Oh, shit. Oh, man. That was good. <laughs> that was good. That was bloody good. And, um, that was, yeah, so it was one of those things that um, I suppose when you get back into the change room and you're sort of sitting around, then after day's play, you know, the TV's on in the background or whatever, and it's, it's just on, it just kept replaying. Everyone just kept replaying it all the time. And you, so the more times you watched it, it sort of got better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a good storyteller. Oh, fantastic story. The way story that he told that story. Oh, yeah. I know. And speaking of sharing stories, we'd love to hear you sharing yours about Warney. One triple three five three. Mike in Brighton has called through. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, G'day, Mike. good, Mike. mate. Yeah, I was at, I was at uh, the ground at Old Trafford in 93 when Warney bowled that ball. Oh. I went over... Um, for work overseas and went to the ground with a bunch of English customers of our company and I was like the lame Aussie there and they're giving me, giving me hell the whole morning and um, you know, just joking and ribbing me and um, you know, a bit of banter and then Warney came on to bowl that ball and um, one of them goes, oh! Shane Warne's on. Mike getting love spin. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, he's going to hit him hit him out of the park and all that. And then um, Warney bowls the ball, skittles him, and they just went silent. And then I think Robin Smith was next in and he trudges out. And just before he faced it, I said, what about Robin Smith? Does he love spin as much as Mike Gatting? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very yeah. good. Yeah, well done. And, um, and, and it turns out, um, years later, our, our, our sons went together at, uh, to school together at Brighton Grammar. So oh. there you go. There you go. Nah, great memories, Mike. To be there, that is amazing. That is yeah. something you'll never forget. But uh, how's that? First ball in an Ashes to yeah. do that. Like, phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, what an incredible moment. And uh, we would love to hear more memories and just your thoughts about how you're feeling as well today after the news of Shane Warne passing away from a suspected heart attack. That news breaking in the early hours of this morning. We're going to be taking your calls and sharing stories all morning. One triple three five three. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. The Dead Set Legends. Triple M.
We would love to take more calls all throughout the morning about your stories uh, with Warney. But we were just talking about the last time he joined you guys just a couple of years ago on Dead Set Legends. And what about his relationship with the media? Because he always was very generous. He gave plenty. Sometimes yes. he probably gave a bit too much, too much. information. But he was always good to, to talk to, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he frequented on the front page um, <laughs> very regularly. But what, what I loved every summer, because he was just, you know, this huge threat, bowling threat for Australia. What I loved every summer about October, just a couple of weeks out from the first test, is when we'd see this story bob up on the back page of the Herald Sun every year, worn set to unleash new delivery on the, <laughs> on, the Sri Lanka, on the Sri Lankans, and there'd be sort of you know cryptic little details in there. He's just trying to frighten uh, the next uh, touring team. We asked him about this and whether these new deliveries were real or imagined. I only ever came up with one new delivery because there's only so many things you can do as a yeah. leg spinner. But I used to say all that sort of stuff because <laughs> people would say, what a load of rubbish. And then suddenly you'd bowl a delivery and it'd have natural variation. There was something that would go straight when yeah. you're meant to bowl at a leg break and they'd say, well, hang on. That was the one. <laughs> be a leg he's break. a genius. Oh. The zipster. Hang on, he's got, something, he's got a new one. So I'd say, yeah, it was the Zuda or like <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> oh, always such good uh, good value. He bowled with such um, absolute precision, didn't he, with the, uh, with the leg break. He was so controlled with that. And then his special balls always did uh, something remarkable. One triple three five three. We'd love to hear how you were feeling this morning after five finding out about the devastating news that Shane Warne has passed away due to a suspected heart attack. And, Ricky, you're feeling a little bit flat this morning, mate. Yeah, it's Mickey. Uh, sorry, Mickey, not Ricky. Sorry, sorry Mick. mate, Mickey. Sorry, Mick. Uh, I, um, yeah, I am feeling flat. I, I woke up and I saw the news and I just thought, we've lost, we have lost a, a true legend. Mm, yep. uh, I, I grew up watching him when I was a teenager, you know, from high school days, and he was, he was, he was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I um, I never got the chance to meet him. I was just saying to the other bloke earlier, but um, I was at the airport once going to a wedding overseas, and I saw him walk past me as I was having a sandwich before I got on the plane. And right now, I'm just I'm gutted, and I regret not standing up and saying, "Warney, how you going, mate?" But also, you know, you gave him that space to go through the airport. He probably got hassled as well. He probably liked that he got yeah. to walk past you. You know what? I'm sure he did. He was walking with determination and he, he wouldn't have wanted to be bugged by anyone. Yeah. But um, I'm glad I got to see him once in real life, like up close that way. But yeah. I'm, also, I'm also really, really flat and just raw. Inside. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah. and that was the um. There was an aura. Was a lot of people have said that. Like, if there yeah. were three people you could invite to a dinner party. How many people yes. said, "I'd love Warnie. to have a dinner party yeah. or have a beer with Warney"? Yeah. And he was mm. a king not only in Australia but India, the subcontinent. They all absolutely idolised him. But you've played. Um, I mean, if you played back, well, we were, like, we were lucky more. because obviously he was a big St Kilda man, and, and we all got to meet and and become friends with Shane through Aaron Hamill, who came to St Kilda. He was friends with Shane Warne and. An early memory, he came to, we used to have a lot of barbecues at Grant Thomas's house. So back in the early 2000s, when Warnie was at his prime and yep. he came to a barbecue and the boys all were just begging, can you please come and bowl like six of your best just yep. so we can just see what it really feels like. And yep. he said, okay. And obviously you can imagine it was a big fight for who was going to bat. And somehow, <laughs> typical, Milne won out. So Milne got the pad up, yes. put the pads on, got the bat out. We went into um, Grant Thomas's big tennis court and Warnie got the cricket ball. And ripped six of the best leg breaks. And we all stood in the tennis court. And yep. you could hear the ball fizz Ooh. in the air. You could see it drift. And Milne couldn't get bat on ball. It was so <laughs> funny. But to experience that up close, Warney at his yep. prime, just ripping six leg spinners. You got yep. to 
appreciate how much of a fine art and how good he was. One triple three five three. We'd love to hear your Warney stories, and I'm very keen to hear from Matt from East Hawthorne because I believe you did something that actually I got to do a couple of times. My dad would write little sick notes so that we could get out of school and go and watch the cricket. Yes. And Matt, I believe you were the same. Thanks for taking my call, Sam Marine boys. A bloody flat day in Melbourne today. I've been yeah. to work and it's flat as tax. And all these time of year we're up about because of the footy, but this is um, taking the, the wind out of the sails. 99 World Cup. Um, oh. It was about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm old. I'm, I'm 37. So was, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. That's about the same age as all of us yeah, here, yeah, mate. Yeah. Sorry, Joey. Chill out. <laughs> and same thing. I was with the old man and the brother watching it. And it got to about 1.30. The Channel 9 coverage was stretching a bit. I think South Africa was about two for 90 on it. They only need about 210, yep. 215 off memory. And the old man's giving us the old radio. One more, then we're off to bed. Yep. Otherwise, your mother's going to crack the shits in the morning. Yeah. 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 Give, us, give us one more. And the big fella got up and went bang, bang. And he went, all right, let's stick this out. And I'll tell you what, at the end, Damien Fleming with the underarm at the end. And um, Andy, oh, sorry, um, I think it was Paul Rifle and Damien Fleming and Daryl Cullen and crap in the bed again. It was just fantastic. That's right, Matty. And, and because we all remember that we, we can picture that final, the underarm, the stumping, and Lance Klusner blowing up. But everyone forgets it was actually Warney that yep. got us back in that contest. He yep. turned the game. Yep. Without him, it would never have happened. Was it that first wicket? I think because none for 50. I think he got Herschel Gibbs, maybe, with, an, with one which turned an absolute mile. And you saw Warney in that moment just bellowed and yelled and screamed, yeah, come, come on, come, come on. I'll, I'll drag yes. you along, boys. Yes. Didn't, and he just led the frame. We turned to him. So many times, and in t- so many times in those moments, he was the one who lifted us. I absolutely loved hearing that story and the fact that Matt had to get to bed but then miss school the next day yes. as well. But th- those are the moments well worth waiting up for, right? Yep. Thank you so much for all the calls and stories that you've shared so far. And we'll be taking some more after 11, but a little change of pace to a massive story for the footy realm over the last 24 hours, and it's about the crackdown on umpires, Jay-Z. Yeah, we've been talking flat out for the past two days. I mean, after the um, the first game between Melbourne and Carlton, we saw the new interpretation of basically any any descent towards the umpire, any any words at all really towards the umpire are going to be met with a 50-metre penalty. And I think after the, um, after the first game, the Carlton-Melbourne game, we're all scratching our heads a little bit. Now, last night I thought, that the two teams clearly adjusted to it. I spoke to a senior coach yesterday, Joey, and I said, right, how do you coach this? You watched the footy last night, and he said, we had a meeting with all the players, and he said, we basically said... There is no discussion, no talking to the umpires whatsoever. So before the game, hey, mate, how you going? Razor, good to see you. That's cool. And after the game, thanks, Razor, for the game. But basically basically between the first siren and the last siren, the decree was, and it was blunt, it is don't talk to them. Nothing to do with them. You're frustrated. You talk to your teammate. If you need to get it out, you know, Talk, talk to them. There is to be no talk whatsoever with the umpires. So we're going to lose a bit of that from the game, Joey. Which, is, it, is, it a, is it a good thing or not? Because we've seen a bit of banter I'm not, over the I, I think. I mean, it's an interesting one because the umpires would have said, and we had no issue in our game last year with um, uh, the relationship between players and umpires. I don't think it was spoken about at all. And the umpires would say, in fact, it's probably as good a relationship as they've ever had. They mm. go out to clubs all the time. They know the players. They, they're out there for the whole preseason. So now it's almost not even – you know, um, have any any sort of relationship or contact with umpires. I, look, I think it's unrealistic and unreasonable. Yep. I think if you are playing on any the edge, sport yep. on the edge, highly emotive, highly – if there's any decision that goes against you that you feel hard done by, 
it is human nature to have a reaction. Yeah. Now, I'm absolutely all for if you abuse an umpire or you are disrespectful, absolutely 50-meter penalty. It's been the case yeah. ever since before I played. So that's yeah. not new. It's the fact now that you can't even sort of, oh, you're kidding, you're umpire, or, yeah. you're, or look up at the score and say, you know, that stuff for me is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out because in moments, heat of the moment, you feel hard done by with the decision. It's natural. It doesn't mean it's abusive or disrespectful to an umpire. A bit of frustration. It's just a bit of frustration. So – I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm not sure how it'll go once the, the season starts, whether they back off on that and whether it was just a bit of a statement. Mm. But it has certainly something that'll catch the eye in the first couple of rounds of the season, particularly if it gives away 50-meter penalties that cost goals for things that aren't abusive or disrespectful, that are just a bit more frustration mm. in the heat of the moment. Why mm. do you think there's being so cautious around the emotion of the players now? Well, it's clearly all to do with the the umpiring at lower levels, which we, which we all understand. It, it, yeah. And it's a hard one because... There's so many people out there that it, you know, what do you, you know, people that are just horrible to the umpires. Some of it's fans. I've seen some it of is, junior it's horrible. Level, it's disgusting. Absolutely. Oh, embarrassing. Yeah. 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 So, you know, whether a, a player not being able to show any emotion on a footy field is going to change that. I mean, that's where, you know, people can, can come to their own. But that's the AFL think it might, it might actually make a difference, but we'll see. And the Toby Green thing last year was the straw that broke the camel's back when he, when he basically hip and shoulder yeah. an umpire yeah. bumped into it. That, we know that Max cost him six weeks on the sidelines, but I think that was a moment um, that really crystallised this for the AFL. Richmond play Hawthorne today, Joe. I want to go through this quickly. Now, the, 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 the trademark for the Tigers in 2017 throughout their premiership dynasty has been their swarming small forward pressure. They changed the game with that mobile run and that surge. This year, they're going to go taller, basically for the first time in, in five years. So we're going to see two Ruckman in Nankervis and Soldo, and then three key forwards in Lynch, Rewalt, and Noah Bolter. Now, that is as tall as Richmond has been in a long time, which is to try and provide more aerial support. They've been beaten in the air. What's your first take on uh, that, look, that switching you've to, game plan? You've got to keep evolving. I saw your article in the Herald Sun, a good article there. The Tigers are going a bit different, but it's not unusual in terms of the competition. If you think about Melbourne, they had the three talls with Jackson, McDonald, Ben Brown. Geelong have played three talls. Um, you know, Port Adelaide uh, and Port Adelaide have three talls. Even Brisbane are very much three talls and still have those swarming smalls at ground level. So I think it's just a bit of a slight adjustment to Richmond to, to find an extra gear, to find another edge. Noah Bolter's the one that we believe is going to play more forward. Um, they get a good look at it anyway. Yep. It's a it's a practice match essentially. They get a good look at it and see if they can build on it. So um, yeah, new look Tigers, but I, I think it'll be the same old Tigers for me. I think oh. they'll be back up there again yeah. end of the season. Top four, top four, top six team for me this year. Oh, that just makes me so much <laughs> so happy to hear that. Thank you so much. The Dead Set Legends put that in the book. Saturday scoreboard. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey, download the True Blue brand new Blue Bet app from the app stores today. Jay-Z, the mm-hmm. cricket overnight, Australia over in Pakistan. Day one, the Pakistan team won the toss, elected to bat, and it was tough going for the Aussies. Oh, it was shy. I was watching the first hour, and it is an absolute road. There's no life in the pitch. So why are we going in with an all-out pace attack, Joseph? Where's our second so, spinner? And they knew after after the first hour, Travis yes. Head was bowling. Yes. So wouldn't you think maybe two spinners would have been relevant? Like they bowled, Lyon and Head had bowled half the overs in yep. the first session. Yeah, so we've 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 had a mare there, haven't we? We we should be playing Mitch Swepson. and have a look at a at a young kid, etc. They're the conditions that you want to play. That now we are on the back foot, and this under strength um, Pakistani side um, is uh, clearly you know clearly in front. Yeah, we uh, the Pakistan side are one for two hundred and forty five at stumps. Iman Al Haq is one hundred and thirty two, mm-hmm. not out. Azar Ali sixty four. Their best batsman hasn't even come in yet. Baba 
Mm. He's still to come. So anyway, we've got our work cut out, but we'll keep an eye on that test match. Hey, the AFL last night, I yep. went along and watched the first three quarters of Brisbane yep. and the Western Bulldogs. And this is your Lions versus my Bulldogs, because yes. I think the Bulldogs are a better chance for the flag, and you're on the line. And I think the uh, the best opportunity to beat Melbourne this year, or the, the team most likely, is the Brisbane Lions. I walked away from last night... Um, Confirming my thoughts, oh, I think Brisbane. <laughs> I think Brisbane looked like the the better side. I think that they're going to play the three talls. So yep. don't be surprised if Darcy Ford. He, I think he will play at the start of the season. Darcy Ford, Oscar Mc, uh, McInerney until Hitwood comes back in. They all. I think you realise a lot of them were injured. Lockie Neal was sore last year. Jared Berry was sore. Uh, we didn't get to see the best. I don't think of Joe Danaher because it was his first year off missing two years of footy. He looked even more impressive. Mm. Uh, he didn't didn't really hit the scoreboard, but he's, the way that he was launching into packs was exciting. Uh, their small forward line is dynamic. Harris Andrews is fully fit. Yeah. So I just think the Brisbane Lions, this is their year. There's no excuses for them this season. They will be a top two, top four team, absolutely. Flip the coin for a second because as much as I love the Bulldogs in their midfield, I am worried about a vulnerability at either end because I figure if Alex Keith, they lose Alex Keith, that back line is shot. It's already a thin back line. The forward line, it's, it's it feels like it's Aaron Norton or, or Buster with it, without a little Josh, bit. Without Josh Bruce for the majority of the year, it, a lot is going to be left up to Aaron Norton. And he looked awesome at times last night like he's taking pack marks but he's going to have to take a lot of pack marks and, and kick you know a fair few goals mm. for this Western Bulldogs forward line that's lacking a real second option yeah. I know Tim English was pretty good mm. but that was more around the ground last night not necessarily as a forward Jamara. they tried Zane Cordy Jamar is not up to it yet yep. so there's just a still a little bit of a slight question mark with the Bulldogs but we know how good they are through the midfield they're, they're still going to be a, a very very handy side this year so Keith knock on the shin um, you think he'd be right for round one against Melbourne He's got uh, 12 days, but he's going to be on light duties this week. It's not the perfect preparation. He already had a niggle two weeks ago, so he hasn't had a great lead. And Tim O'Brien's the recruit that they're hoping can make the difference in the back line. Just quickly, the supercars, Anton Di Pasquale and Chaz Mostert were the two fastest in the practice sessions in wet conditions in Sydney. That starts this weekend, so plenty happening. And an AFLW game, Sam Marie. Mm. I know you love the AFLW. A top-of-the-table clash, Adelaide and Melbourne do battle this afternoon. Yeah. That will be an absolute cracker. That is going to be sensational. I cannot wait to see what happens there, and I'm proud for no more injuries. Yes, fingers crossed. It's been cannot. shocking. Oh, the poor league. I tell you what. The Dead Set Legends. Triple M. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. And we should also mention the, the last 24 hours, sorry, how uh, shattering it has been mm. for Australian cricket and Australian sport with Rod Marsh yep. passing away from a, a heart attack uh, only about 24 hours earlier. And, and Shane Warne's last tweet was about Rod Marsh, and yep. uh, we console and send our condolences to the Marsh family. Paul Marsh, of course, the, the CEO of the Players Association, a connection to AFL land, and everyone involved there because um, that was big news only yep. a few hours ago until we've all woken up to the to the news of Shane Warne today. Champion cricket, uh, wicketkeeper, and a devastating 48 hours for the whole cricketing family. Think of our great mates like Mark Howard and James Brayshaw have obviously spent so much time, Greg Blewett, with, uh, with Warney as well. It'll be a tough morning uh, for them. We'd love to hear from you, one triple three five three. Statue of him outside the MCG because the bronze. That's a terrific statue. You would have, I haven't seen it. I didn't walk past it this morning, but it must be there must be tributes and flowers. You'd expect mm. by the end of today there would certainly be um, lots of floral work uh, there, Joey. But if I could think of um, a fantastic Friday night, what would I do? I think um, mates, Shane Warne, poker. Um, few beers. You've actually, you've that you've done that a yeah. couple of times. Tell us about those nights and how competitive. Yeah, regularly. The- yeah, we well we were lucky. Obviously, massive Saints supporter, passionate Saints man. Played under 19s for St Kilda, and yep. we got to meet him through uh, the time at the Saints, and it became 
a regular thing to play poker night at Warney's house. It was generally Wednesday nights. It was, you know, when we had Wednesday night poker night and we were very lucky because we'd go to his man cave yeah. and if you could picture like? a man cave, it yep. was, it was phenomenal. And he had, he had a room, he only had some memorabilia. He didn't have a heap of memorabilia, yep. but what he had, it was almost like, like a museum, like they were in glass plaques. So he had his, uh, you know, the cricket ball for his um, hat trick. He had the stump for his 700th, but he had like these awesome photos and it was really well done. Like it was, it was pretty awesome. And the yep. man cave was a regular place. You'd order pizzas. We'd stop halfway and, and play pizza and, uh, uh, sorry, eat the pizza. And <laughs> His poker nights were legendary. What's because in the man cave? The man Pool cave, table. He's, got the, he's got a poker table. Yep. He's got uh, the pinball machine. He had the, in one of the, he's, he's had a few different houses, to be honest, around <laughs> the times in Brighton, but he had the cinema screen as well. And then the last one had the, um, a bar. We had a bar in the oh. man cave with like a bit of a disco light as well. It got a bit funky later on, but <laughs> the poker nights were great because he played poker yep. like he played his cricket like he played his goal. It was aggressive and it was attacking. Yep. So he would be one that would always try and bluff you yep. and he would go all in early and he'd just see if you had the steel and had the nerve to like take him on and he would look you in the eye and he'd give you a bit of lip. You know, <laughs> and he just, because he was so um, he was so competitive yeah. with what he did. So his, his poker nights were always great fun. They were always late. We play. We used to sit there, and he and he's a great storyteller. Like mm. he was such an engaging, so people could have their opinions of Warnie and, and judge him on some of the things he's done from afar. But when you actually got to meet him, he was a very very likable man. He was very charismatic. He was very warm, um, and he and he was very charming, and and he was a great storyteller. And we had a lot of fun with him. And even I mean, we got to we were lucky enough to go to his engagement party with Liz Hurley. Oh wow! So Aaron, and Aaron and Aaron and I just we went to his engagement party at Club Twenty Three at Crown. Wow! And Aaron came along. She'd only just been going out with me for not mustn't have been for too long. And how was that? She was only just been yeah, going out I with know. me. Keep <laughs> been going out together. And then sorry, you- sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. We've been together. Apologies for that. We've been, we've been together. The honour to take and <laughs> Club Twenty Three. And the funny thing was, so that was a little period where probably when he changed a little bit, he became a bit more proper and yes. a bit more serious and straight. Mm. And he told everyone we had to we had to. Um, Say hello to her as Elizabeth. We couldn't call her Liz. Oh. So the instruction was she had to be she had to, had to say hello Elizabeth. So we got to meet Elizabeth, mm. which was quite cool. But uh, yeah, it was always great fun. And then the other time memory that I have, which my mate was has owed me for life, is one of that we got Warney to get us into the rooms after one of the days play the Boxing Day test. Wow! And we got to go into the rooms and have a beer. And there was Darren Lehman was in there, and Adam Gilchrist and Andrew Simons, and they were sort of having a beer and got to say good day and, and have a chat to them. So. We were very, very lucky to uh, spend a lot of time with Warney. Mad Saints, man. Was he always he, into you about the, the, the footy? footy oh, and... yeah, always had an opinion on the Saints. And yeah. like I said before about the way that he did everything, he was aggressive and attacking. He wanted that with the Saints style of play. He wanted Saints to kick goals. He probably got frustrated with the Ross Lyon era at times because Rossi was a bit too defensive for Warney. He <laughs> wanted Warnie. more goals kicked. He wanted to be more direct. Why aren't we kicking more goals? You know, he, he sort of had that approach. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of the guys have got – Fond memories of Warnie. Had a lot of time for the Saints and, and everyone down there, and he will be sorely missed. Absolutely. What about you, Jay-Z? Your memories on Warnie? Oh, look, I, I bowled leg spin because of him. I, I, he made it I, cool, didn't he? He oh, made spin bowling cool. Yes, because before that you were dealing with all these sort of nerdy off-spinners, and this guy then rocks up with his massive leg break here, massively spinning leg breaks, and he was the rock star attitude and the confidence. And um, and I, I bowled leg spin because of him, like, you know, so many other young people around the country. So, um, you know, he, he ignited that whole cricket flame for me, and I, and I just love the swagger and the confidence, the skill, the execution, the planning. You know, I read his, my, my first books, you know, were those cricket um, autobiographies. Mm. And 
Um, so I absolutely loved him and, and idolised him like a lot of people um, at my age. And I remember this one time I, I got to um, – I blogged for him. So we, we were, you know, <clears throat> read, read the Herald Sun and Shane Warne for half at lunch, for half an hour at lunchtime is going to uh, blog on the test. And so I was sitting next to him asking the questions and he was answering and I was tapping him. And honestly, I was shake. I was so nervous for those first few questions because I'm sitting next to Shane Warne. Um, but even then he was like – he threw his arm around me and was so re- – you know, made me – by the end of it, made me feel so good. So that was the so. And Wayne Carey is very similar. He, yeah. he has that ability to make you feel bulletproof. And yeah, he was he was he was great with everyone. Had time for yeah, everyone. That's the thing. He had time for everyone. He would always have up for a chat. As we said, really personable. And he's going to be sorely missed by a lot of people. I mean, that's test me. You'll see how many friends he actually has, not just here but mm. around the world. Yeah. Um, from the highest of high, you know, from Mick Jagger and you know Tiger Woods and people like that to you know just some some mates that live down the road from him. You know, around the Brighton area, he's. Uh, he's got a lot of friends because of that. He touched so many people, and he was just—he was so warm and, and and fun to be around. And he's—it'd be a state funeral, yeah. uh, you'd think. And he was Victorian, like he was ours. He was not just Australian, but he was—he was ours. Yeah, he was Mister Melbourne. Yep. You know, when he finally got crowned the King of Moomba as well, I was like, about time. I was yeah, like, I yeah, genuinely yeah. think that that is at least fifteen years too late when that eventually happened. Shane from Geelong West has called in. Good morning, mate. Hey, young. Um, hey, Shane. Hey, yeah, g'day, Joey. Yeah, yeah uh, just yeah, good mate. Um, yeah, just I uh, did Shane Warne's floor about eight years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, so you work on you work on floorboards and carpet? Is that what you yeah, do? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I do flooring. Uh, yeah, yep. for Nashwoods and Geelong. <laughs> just ah. get that one in there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know, I rock up, so I bang on the door in this mansion in Brighton, Brighton Beach, just off the beach there, and I had no idea who Shane was, and he opens the door, and Shane Warne's standing there in a pair of uh, St Kilda football shorts, moccasins, and a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. And that's all well, That's all it would have been. And that's why – I think that's why he was so loved, because yep. he was just an Aussie knockabout. Yep. He he ate, you know, Hawaiian pizza. Yep. He, you know, had a dart. You know, he just wore the footy shorts. Like, that was just him, but he, but he was – the greatest cricketer, you know, that we have seen in our lifetime because not many of us saw Bradman. Like, yep. that's what made him so, so relatable. Yep. Was yeah. that he was just every one of us. A bloke. A, a bloke that loved his footy, loved, you know, a meat pie and a pizza, but mm. just happened to be so good at cricket. I remember hearing him talking about Hawaiian pizzas and his favourite pizza shop. I think it must have been in Brighton. This is years ago. I'm sitting in the car listening to the commentary and Warney's on and I reckon it went for about 15 solid minutes about how much he frothed a Hawaiian pizza yeah, and if you were in his neck of the woods, you had to go to this place. I was like, the passion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the and when, passion. When he went to <laughs> India, taking the baked beans. That's all. That's what, he, was a very simple, he was a very simple eater, Warney. There wasn't much fuss about his diet. Yeah. It was pretty simple. Yes. Simple Aussie meals. And speaking of pizza, I think we've got Damien on the line who might have uh, actually worked at a pizza shop that Warney might have visited. Well, yeah, sack of cake. I'll take on. Look, I'll never forget this. About 20 years ago, Ridge Road, Richmond there. And I'm standing there waiting for me pizza. And, and Warney just walks in the door. And I'm my jaw dropped. And I'm thinking, hey, that's, that's bloody Warney. But he was so personable. Yep. Uh, walked up to the counter. And he obviously ordered it. And walked up to the counter and talking to the guys. And he sort of, yeah, how you going, mate? And, and yeah, went and got, got his Hawaiian pizza and walked <laughs> out the door. <laughs> that's right. But, like, he, that's his height. He, it was at his height of his powers ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. But he was just a normal bloke. Yeah. Just, like, you and me. And, yeah, it was, it was also, I'll never forget, I'm bloody choking up today. It's been... It's devastating, but I just wish his family well. Yeah. Mm.
He Thank you so it. much for calling, Damien. Yeah, the ham and cheese toasted sandwiches. Yeah, that's, that's he it. He blew out for a period there, warning. <laughs> eating his, his toasties. And then he had to take the diuretic, which helped him lose the weight. And he um, got in some trouble for that, obviously. So there was a lot of chapters to his cricket career. Not always straightforward, uh, Joey, it's uh, fair to say. Yeah. There have been some uh, controversial moments when he went to abroad um, or went to uh, the UK for those Ashes tours, etc. Like, do you remember that moment where he was standing on the balcony with the stump? Yeah, and, celebrating. And dancing with the uh, bottle of champagne. Campaign, etc. Um, yeah, just um, what a man in so many moments. And we've got another call from uh, Shane, 13353, if you want to share any of your stories about Warney. Uh, good morning to you, Shane. Hey, guys. How are we? Good, mate. That's good. Yeah, I'm a massive Saint supporter, guys, half named after the great man. Um, so just down at sort of uh, Sandringham, him and Stevie Baker used to sit behind the goals. I got me uh, kids to go up and get the Saints autograph book signed by the great man. Um, last season, which was really good when the uh, boys used to play in the twos down there. And uh, who can forget the uh, blonde tips as a young fella, mate, seeing the great man on the TV. So, uh, yeah, I hope uh, all the Saints can get down to the game tonight and uh, watch the boys and pay some respect to the great fella, mate. Yeah, well done, Shane. Yeah, Stephen Baker, a very close friend of Shane Ward's, particularly in, in recent years. I uh, spoke to Stevie Baker this morning, who's doing it tough. He'd just been recently, just went to, went away with Shane and Jackson. They went up to, to New South Wales and hired a house for a week. And oh. So yeah, there's a lot that are doing it tough this morning. And we're talking about, so in terms of the greatest cricketers of all time, so there's Bradman's number one, so maybe Sir Gary Gar, uh, Sir Garfield Sober's number two. Then it's Warney yeah. three for mine because there was Glenn McGrath, Ricky Ponting, Shane Warne amongst that group. But for me, Shane Warne, not just the greatest leg spinner of all time, the greatest bowler. That the game has seen. Yep. Bradman, Sobers, Warren, for me anyway, just ahead of Ponting and And as great ground. as those other cricketers were, there's been, it's what transcends cricket. It's what made everyone watch. It's what made Michael Jordan to basketball. You know, It's what it is. To put bums on seats, to be glued to the TV, all that was because of Shane Warren, particularly for us growing up as kids. Hey, um, we spoke to Tubby. Uh, we sorry, we heard from Tubby Taylor, who spoke uh, earlier today. We just wanted to play a couple of grabs of one of his great mates, Mark Tubby Taylor. I really can't believe it. You, you always felt that Warney would just go on. He's had, you know, a, a, a turbulent life, but a very full life. But you know, he, he's been through all sorts of scandals. He's he's mesmerised us with his with his bowling and his um, his competitive nature on the field. We, we've loved that real Ocker side of. Shane Warne, and you just felt, I certainly did, he would go on forever. This is a, it's a huge shock for me, and as I said, it's it's a huge shock for the cricketing world. Warney is one of the few people uh, in any sport who, who gets to change the game. At that time, the game was dominated by fast bowling. The West Indies were the yardstick in world cricket. They had four or five quicks every time you played them, and they would blast you out. Uh, and they were very good. They had exciting batting, but they had just fast bowling. Warney came in and gave uh, Australian cricket a point of difference and showed the world the subtleties of the game of test cricket. Yeah, it would have been a great captain, Shane Warne. Yeah. But it was, if it wasn't for maybe some of the controversy, um, then he could have been. He was just an incredible uh, thinker of the game and an incredible commentator. I used to love yes. listening to his commentating. Never afraid to have an opinion. He was strong on Stark just recently. So um, I always thought he was at the cutting edge of the cricket tactics, tactics and, and would have been a uh, superb uh, captain as well. Um, we taking more calls? Absolutely. We get to footy. 
We would love to hear your stories about Warnie. One triple three five three. But we do have some footy chat coming up next, don't we, Joey? Yep, the we Blues. Do. The Joey. Blues. I want to know. Impressive. Are you? How much are you buying that form against Melbourne? How? Ex- how much? How excited should the Carlton faithful be about what we saw because they were hot against the D's the other night? We'll talk about that next. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. The Dead Set Legends. Triple M some footy news now. Yes, uh, the Carlton faithful, Joey, are up and about at the moment because they saw them jump out of the blocks versus <laughs> Melbourne on the, on Thursday night. The new look midfield with Chera and Hewitt, a more organised defence. They were very good back there, even without uh, weedering. And we saw the forward line uh, really function well. So Michael Voss, it was an excellent start. We know Melbourne came back at the end. And how much are you buying? How much Carlton stock are you buying at the moment, Joe? The AFL's a lot better. Footy community's a lot better when the Blues are up and about. And it's been a long time since well, I played. You know, players. I said last week, I took no real interest in the practice matches. I take a bit more of an interest in these Amy games, but mm-hmm. not completely sold. But yep. I liked what I saw. Not necessarily what? the result. It's more about the way Carlton played what because we know that they've been good with ball in hand for a couple of years. That's yep. not their issue. It's been behind the ball defensively. And you could clearly see a defensive system mm-hmm. last uh, the other night, the way they played. And I really liked it. I think if you're watching that, you got everything you wanted out of it. Paddy Cripps looked back to his oh. best. Tick. Chera and Hewitt got what you wanted. Tick. Strong. Strong. Yep. Um, the defensive system that you wanted to see. A tick. So yep. I think going into the season, Carlton fans should be positive. Just temper your expectations. Just take it with a <laughs> grain of salt. But it was it was good to see the way they played, particularly without the ball and their pressure. That was yep. the positive. And it looks like they found a couple of small forwards because that was maybe their other issue. Uh, little Durden and Owies looked all right. Sort yep. of, they're going to be more your pressure and creative. And Zach Fisher's the one that's got a bit more class. So, yep. yeah, there was there was a lot to like about the Blues. And Sam Walsh uh, to join that mix, which is heartening. I thought Cripps made a, a huge statement. Jeezy looks lean. What about the Demons? How much did you read into that? Gary Lyon looked a bit flat, our great oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, there was Gary Lyon was started talking about, oh, we knew this should happen with the D's and geez, they got it got ahead of themselves. Take nothing out of that for Melbourne. They are going to be fine. Yep. They they played one quarter of footy and they almost turned a sixth goal deficit back into a, a victory. They, they they will be fine, Melbourne. Nothing to see there. Um, yeah, they're going to be humming along in season 2022. Don't worry about that. But it's been a couple of really good games of footy so far. I really enjoyed the two games. So hopefully it continues this weekend with the rest of the games. And uh, as we may be predicted, we might get a little bit more sort of uh, go forward with flow. the footy. A bit more flow rather than teams going sideways and backwards. We might be getting a bit more forward movement. It's always early. It happens early in the season, then it tightens up defensively, but it's been a good start. Big night last night in uh, G-Town. Sarah Marie, the Foo Fighters, one of the biggest acts on the planet, were rocking GMHBA Stadium. I was so jealous you got to be there. How was it? Did it meet all your expectations? What a fabulous night. Mate, it was a mammoth day because let's not forget that Triple M was broadcasting live from the Cremorne in Geelong ahead of that. I mean, you were there, Joey, with Bill. It was absolutely massive. And then we made the very short pilgrimage over <laughs> to K-Park and honestly, it delivered. It was everything that you thought it would be. It did not even matter that it rained for about 95% of it. (laughs) I mean, I will say I was undercover. But for the people standing out there on the ground, they were in their ponchos or they weren't in their ponchos. They were dancing. They were having a great time. You could see that Dave Grohl was just in his absolute element, a phenomenal couple of covers as well, where Taylor Hawkins took to the microphone and Dave jumped back onto the drums. It was Everything that you could have hoped. What for. was the highlight? Which song mm. sort of brought the crowd My to its feet? Was there was there one song that everyone just Everlong. went nuts for? Oh, uh, you know what? I know it was actually one of, it, of the covers. Did you know that the Fooies they did a cover of the Bee Gees? 
And oh. last year, and they released it. So Joey's looking at me like, no, I didn't <laughs> yeah, know that. No. It's okay. I'll step yeah. you through it. So yeah. they covered the Bee Gees. Right. And that was when they were starting to swap around. And, and honestly, that was when people Fun. started to pop up out of their chairs. They were dancing. Yep. It was sensational. Obviously, the standard Fooey's classics were there. Yep. But it was just great. It was a phenomenal night. You know what I've liked, Jay-Z? Yes. You and I have come in fresh this morning at Sarah Marie that's a little bit dusty. dusty yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Big night. chugging down the water. And then not only that, it was so hard to get out of Geelong. It honestly oh, took us traffic. two hours yes. because anybody who's done the commute from Geelong into Melbourne knows that the flash flooding on the freeway can be quite bad as soon as you get onto that merge on Melbourne Road. So people are coming over. There was heaps of traffic. I mean, 35,000 people at K-Park too. And unfortunately, that was when you heard the tragic news about Shane Warne on the bus trip back from Geelong last night. A pin could have dropped. The boss let us know, and it was just crazy. We'd gone from such a high to such a low because Shane Warne, just one of the greats, and a Melbourne man as well. One triple three five three. Ian from Sunshine has called through. Good morning. Morning, guys. How are you going? Just uh, heading down to G-Town to see the Mighty Oils tonight. So I'll see you there, mate. There so. oh, all right, look out for you. Yeah, uh, yeah look... Um, yeah, look, two stories. I sort of wake up at uh, 3 a.m. this morning and went and sat on the uh, lovely bidet that my wife bought for the toilet and <laughs> plugged, plugged into the um, plugged in to uh, see the news. And I, and I saw a 52-year-old Australian legend cricketer dies, and I thought, didn't have my glasses on on my Labrador, and I thought, geez, that that must be Rod, you know, late tribute to Rod Marsh because you know, the numbers were a bit you know, sort of. And I Larry. looked again and. Mm. I almost dropped the phone in the toilet, but yeah. I sort of went to bed and, and took me back to um, being a, a baby-faced sort of 20-year-old new to the city and, you know, loving my cricket and being from the bush. We, we got a chance to go see uh, Warnie play at the G and it was at the height of his, of his power. And mm. I remember it was a stinking hot uh, Saturday and we were watching... Um, Watching Warnie uh, give his you know, bowl, he took two. He took his first wicket, and the Mexican wave was up, and everyone's yelling Warnie, Warnie, and then everyone erupted with all of their uh, all their water in the air out of their bottles, and then he took the second one. Well, all you could see was the bottles, the water bottles being thrown onto the G, and everyone's up out of their chairs, and everyone refused to get down. So after ten minutes, everyone yelling Warnie he had to go to every quarter of the G and ask him all. Oh, fellas, Tony Run sitting there had a smile ear to ear, and you could see that he was loving every bit of it. But then I was on another job a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a couple of uh, couple of Sikhs were on the job with me who were new to Australia. And the first half we got talking about cricket, they go, "You follow cricket, so yeah?" They go, "You love you, you like Shane Warne?" I said, "Like." They said, "We love Shane Warne." But I tell you what, this morning all I've thought about is being back. You know, when we lost Steve Irwin, and I reckon that. There's very few people in my memory that you lose, and one Steve Irwin, and the second would be you know, the great Shane Warne that you yeah. realise the yeah, weight of life on, on Australia. And they are two people so. we thought would be invincible, wouldn't we? Really, yeah. in you know, in our eyes, yeah, unfortunately, it is one of those moments. You remember where you are, certainly for me, for the rest of my days, where I were when the great man passed away. Leanne, good morning. Leanne, hi. Yes, hi. Sorry, I'm, um, in the yeah. So, um. Back in uh, 2006, I was working at a fine dining restaurant in Sydney and uh, Shane was on the list for a VIP dinner that we were having. Um, and I got a call from his agent saying, um, don't serve any of your fancy food. He only wants baked beans on toast. <laughs> and so um, I had to go and tell the chef that. Um, and they and I said, oh, if, if you don't give him the baked beans on toast, He'll order a uh, pizza hut and have it delivered across the floor in front of everyone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we served him baked beans on toast. He got that. 
at a flash Sydney restaurant. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> I think uh, for lunch today we need to have yeah. a Hawaiian pizza or some baked beans on toast. Yeah, Another friend said good. you could have a gas return. I was like, well, don't take up smoking. But <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I, that's right. I mean, if you're already partial to one and you're remembering him. But I tell you what, it has been so heartwarming to hear all these stories all morning and thank you so much to every single person who called through to share them because it was just beautiful. Yeah, I've really enjoyed him. He's put a lot of smiles on a lot of people's faces over the journey and 708 uh, test wickets, just uh, yeah, maybe the third greatest cricketer of all time and an absolute Australian legend. We throw around the term champion a little bit easily at times, Joey and Marie, but he is uh, certainly one of those. He lived large and uh, I'm really looking forward to reading the tributes in the Herald Sun over the the next few days, Foxtel, Triple M, of course, uh, and really celebrating um, a once-in-a-lifetime man. Yeah, it's a sad day, and we now have the chance to, to celebrate what was a full life and, as you said, put so much joy on so many people. We all grew up with Shane Warne. We all idolised him and mm. gone too soon, unfortunately. And thank you for joining us for the day. It's been yep. great to, to share in, in the stories of Shane Warne. He, of course, is the obvious legend to finish the show. And to Jackson, Brooke and Summer, our condolences and thoughts are with you. And... We take it out with a song dedicated to the great Shane Warne.
Warney is one of the few people in any sport who gets to change the game. I only had 300-odd players to play cricket for Australia. I thought, geez, I was sort of lucky. and I never thought I was good mm. enough to play for Australia. Rest in peace, Warney, from Triple M.